Hello everybody, this is Abra from the Spontaneous Talk and welcome to a new free talk episode. Today I will be hosting Vanessa Rezindi. She is a yoga instructor and she is going to tell us about her story from working at Field of Law to becoming a yoga instructor. But also, she is going to tell us about her story of becoming a US citizen in a matter of two months. Hey Vanessa, how are you doing? Hi Ibra, I'm doing good. It's Thank my you morning for being now. here. Yeah. <laughs> so how is life? It's going good. Can't Every... complain. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to adapt, you know. I'm a yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. And all the studios in LA are closed. And I also used to teach private classes. I would go to my students' houses and, and teach. Um, so right now I'm just doing everything virtually. Uh, and how is it? In the beginning, in the, the first classes I was, I was teaching, I'm like, I really, really miss my students. Because it's different to teach 101, to offer adjustments, like to, to, to be present and hold space. Mm-hmm. for your student um but i'm like vanessa you can't be just suffering forever you have to adapt <laughs> you have to accept and actually see this as a blessing like we're so i'm so grateful for technology yeah. and uh to be able to keep teaching through my phone true you know because back, yeah. back i don't know 10 years ago we wouldn't be able to do that yeah <laughs> definitely not so, Vanessa, you are here today to tell us about your story. I, I believe your story is really interesting. I mean, you are, a, you are now an American citizen, but only a few years ago you didn't know that you were an American citizen. And you were living in Brazil, right? And you moved from Brazil to the US. But not just that, but also you you changed your career. I mean, you have you were in the law. Uh, you, you were studying law, I guess, right? Yeah, I went to law school. In Brazil. Yeah, you went to law school in Brazil, and when you went to America and when you went to the U.S., you didn't want to 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 work in law field, right? So t- tell us a bit about your story, like how this all started, and. How did you find out that you were an American citizen? And like, a bit about everything. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, So I I was born and raised in Brazil. I'm from Sao Paulo. Mm -hmm. I was born in a a small town and I moved to the capital to go to law school. And I worked there for, I think I lived in Sao Paulo capital about eight years total and I love it I absolutely love the city Um, and I worked in different areas I worked with human rights for for the for the government I worked with for a law firm I worked as a as a clerk for a judge uh, for the court Uh, and I to be honest, like, I think I went to law school because that's what it, it was expected out of me. <laughs> I, I was going <laughs> I think to ask for, you like, this question, Asian actually. Parents, <laughs> you're expected to... Yeah. I think for Asian parents, you're expected to either do law engineering mm-hmm. or be a doctor. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Because I remember I, I, wa- I wanted to do architecture or psychology. <laughs> And my mom was like, no, the economy, the economy is bad. You're going to starve. You need to find <laughs> something very stable to do. <laughs> so I, well, I end up. They, they are right in a way, but, you yeah. know, our parents always think about our. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the mentality of the older generation. You know? Yeah. So they're, they're, uh, they come from post-war and it's they are always thinking about ways at least like a survival mode yeah you want something that's the most the safest possible right yeah uh yeah so 
so I went to law school and I actually wanted to be a judge. That's how I was gearing my studies. Um, and then the last two years, two years in law, I was clerking for a judge. And that's when I realized I didn't want to be one. <laughs> yeah, something shifted and thank God that I clerked for a judge so I could see it from inside. You know? mm -hmm and find out for myself that that's not the path that I wanted to be in. How long did so it I'm take? I'm very grateful for that. Hmm? How long did it take for you to find out that you, you're not made for that? Yeah, to be honest, I remember very clearly the first year of law, I was studying for my exams and I'm just like, that, that can't be it. Like, <laughs> you know, I deep down, like my first year of law, I already knew that like something was off. I was good at it, you know, and I, I went to a really like prestigious, really good law school. And I think that that made me like guilty too, because it was so hard to get in, so hard to get accepted. I worked my, I studied so much to get accepted and to, uh, during law school as well, like I gave my all, <laughs> sweat, blood and tears. And how come after all that I want to just give up, right? It's it's like an internal battle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyways, in 2014, um, I came to the U.S. for the first time to visit my sister. I have half siblings that live in the U.S. Um, and I remember telling my sister that I couldn't see myself doing law for five years, let alone for the rest of my life that I wasn't feeling, I was, I was depressed. I was not feeling fulfilled. And I feel, I, I was feeling that there was something more for me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and my sister just very simply, she just said, it's okay. Why don't you just move here to the US and start over, start fresh. <laughs> you literally can be anything you want. <laughs> and then I'm like, <laughs> you're you're funny <laughs> that's not how life works <laughs> like that that's not so simple <laughs> because also i was independent you know i i don't have anyone paying my bills i was always mm -hmm. like independent since i was working so if i came to the u.s not being a citizen i would have to come here and uh get a student visa and that would not allow me to have a job so i wouldn't be able to uh, pay for my bills here. My other, my alternative would be pursuing green card because my my father is Brazilian American. He has dual citizenship. Mm -hmm. uh, so I hired an attorney here in the U.S. and started asking like, what, what's my best option if I want to move to the U.S. And he told me my best option would be green card. However. It would take me about seven to eight years to get the green card issued because there is limitations yeah for how many green cards are issued annually and while i'm waiting for that visa for that green card i wouldn't be able to work either because that's illegal and you can get deported yeah so i was you know i was almost giving up on that dream like nah no i can't do that just have to put my head down keep working here but then I, I came across this article from a law firm during my research and the article's headline literally, literally was, if you are researching for green card because one of your parents is an American citizen, uh, you might be already a citizen without knowing it. Something like that. And I'm like, wait, what? They were you know, talking to well, you. Yeah, I'm like, wait, this is for me. Let me read it. Uh, and so what I came to find out is that, so right now the law, um, the citizenship laws right now are very strict. To be considered an American citizen, you have to be born in the US. So we call it in law, we call it soli. You have to be born inland or your parents have to be served, like military parents serving somewhere overseas. Um, and I was not born here. I was born in Brazil. So technically I could never be a citizen. Um, however, the citizenship laws, they changed over time. Every five year or 10 years, 
they were getting more and more strict. And the law that is valid to your case is the one that was valid the year that you were born, not mm. the not the current law. So I had I to see. go and research all the laws and you know uh, do the cross reference with constitution back then, all that. And thank God I went to law school that allowed me to do all that research. <laughs> yeah. So I think everything happens for a reason. You know, I never regret <laughs> going to law school because all the knowledge and the skills I have like really helped me and help me every day, you know, in life. Yeah. So, yeah, so I did the research and I found out that I think it was like five requirements that I would have to meet to be considered a, a, a Native American citizen. First is like having one of the parents as an American citizen and the, Americans, the American parent has to be living in the U.S. prior to your birth at least 10 years. From those 10 years, six years, he has to have contributed to taxes, to pay taxes to IRS. Uh, the child has to be born inside wedlock. So your parents has, have to be legally married by the time that you were born. I think that's it. Maybe a couple more that I, I can't remember right now, but I literally met all the requirements and I'm like, dun, 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 dun. I knew. I met all the requirements and I'm like, wow, oh my God, I am an American citizen. <laughs> all my life I've been an American citizen. Nobody knew, not even the attorney, yeah. not even the immigration attorney knew about this. Um, and even, yeah, my mom went to the consulate when I was young and they told her, they told her the same thing. Like, no, your, your child has to be born in the US or lived in the US before completing 18 years old for at least a couple years to have a chance, whatever. So mm -hmm. this was completely new information. Uh, so what I did, now that I knew I was American, is I had to gather all the paperwork yeah, to yeah. prove. To prove it. To prove it. So what I did is, so after I visited my sister, four months later, I came back to the US to gather all that paperwork. So I went to IRS office, I went to, you know, I went to all these um, places to gather the official paperwork. And uh, we call it, it's a secondary evidence of citizenship. So I didn't even have to go through court. I went mm -hmm. straight to the consulate. So I came back to Brazil, I went straight to the consulate. And I remember my sister-in-law telling me, they were, she was like, Vanessa, this is so rare, you know, that nobody's gonna know about this. The clerks at the consulate, they're not gonna know about this. So they're probably gonna tell you no, but you have to keep fighting and ask if you can talk to the consul. And I'm like, okay. So she prepared <laughs> me, you know, mentally. <laughs> and my English was not even that good back then. So mm -hmm. I was so nervous. Um, so I went to the consulate and I talked to the clerk. I was like, hi, I'm here today. I wanted to issue my passport. And she's like, okay, just give me your birth, your American birth certificate. And I was like, I don't have an American birth certificate because I was born in Brazil, but I have all this paperwork that is a, the secondary evidence of my citizenship. <laughs> and she treated me like crazy. She was like, no, 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 honey, that's that's not how it works. <laughs> you have to be born in the US or this or that. She started like making up like yeah. a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm confident this is enough. <laughs> this is enough proof. And she's like, no, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, may I, may I speak to the consul? And she started getting upset because I was you know, contacting her. She, she felt uh, offended. Her authority, right? But she, she said, okay, just sit down there and I'll call your name in a bit. I'll, I'll go talk to her. I was like, okay. And I never prayed so hard in my life. <laughs> I was just like, please God, that this consul knows this law because it's so rare. Like, I hope he cr came across this law sometime when he was studying, you know? Um, and then she comes back 15 minutes later, she looks at me and she just goes, next window. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I talked to the next clerk 
and I had my passport in two weeks. Wow. So I went from not being, not knowing I was American to being an American citizen with a passport in two weeks. Two weeks. That was crazy. And all my friends, my, my friends are lawyers, all of them, and then they didn't know either about this. And you're like, Vanessa, you just won life lottery. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And yeah. they are all uh, Brazilian citizens, your friends? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lucky you. <laughs> So, and how long did it take you from like preparing all the documents and everything to getting your passports? Yeah, so I I was I was researching for a couple months after I came back from that first visit. So the research itself took about yeah, two months. Mm -hmm. So when I knew what I what I needed, I just needed to come back to the US and gather all that paperwork. I think I spent a couple weeks here and I remember my brother taking me everywhere <laughs> to gather all that. Uh, yeah, so from from the time I started researching to having the passport was not even not even six months. Wow. So it was really fast. And um, and did you yeah, come so back I to the attorney that you I, were I that you hired to. earlier? No. <laughs> you, I'm you like I'm right Going forward, I'm the one doing consultations for this. <laughs> New job. <laughs> Great PSA, and that's why, like, I wanted to do a video because I know there's so many, so many people, in this, but they don't know because this is so mm -hmm. specific. This is yeah. yeah. But just, just must know. I don't yeah, think I... the government wants people to know that. <laughs> <laughs> and. And yeah, now that you, you moved to the US, how, how, how did you start your new life? Yeah, so when I came here, I was just trying to find what makes me happy. That's it, that, that was the goal. Because, you know, like when we go through life and we're young, we're told what we have to accomplish in order to have the perfect life. And I was always the straight A student. I was, you know, like, great grades, I, I would like, as a, I was so nerd, like as a, as the kid, I would be in like math Olympics, stuff like that. <laughs> and then got accepted to a, to a great law school, did literally everything I was supposed to do, got my law, my career uh, in law. I was making really good money. I was in the perfect state something was lacking and I was so confused for a long time I was confused I was like why why am I not happy I have the perfect job I make good money you know like I live in a beautiful apartment what is wrong with me am I broken like why what is not switching here yeah to be happy right and I don't know like I am a person that I need to be working with something that makes me happy there's people that don't care. They can be literally anything and they'll find joy elsewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, I need to find the joy, the happiness, the fulfillment in my career. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, yeah. yeah, I love working. <laughs> so, so if I'm not happy doing what I love, then there's no point. I see no point. Yeah. Um, so really when I moved here, so I, I, I'm, I love interior design and also I remember before considering going to law school, I wanted to be an architect. So mm -hmm. I thought I'm going to come to the US and I'm going to study interior design and I did. I went to UCLA for interior design, to their program. It was really nice. I had so much fun mm -hmm. doing it, you know, and for the first time I'm like, this is really fun. Yes, so for is. the first time <laughs> I found out something that yeah, because in law, I mean, you can't find fun in law, but I did it. <laughs> Every time I was studying, I, I would think like, this is so boring. <laughs> I was good at it, but I, I was like, I can't see passion. Uh, so I went to interior design school. I worked, I worked for a furniture retailer for a while as an account manager. 
So while I was in that process, I was just thinking, wait a second, here I am again, kind of like catering for the wealthy. And I didn't want to feel that, that way. I'm like, I came so far to like fall into this, like catering for the wealthy again. That's like a feeling that I had in law, especially when I was working for a law firm. So I started, like I did a bunch of coaching with life coaches, business coaches to find what would be aligned with my skills, my values, uh, my passions. And uh, in this process, I decided I wanted to be a yoga instructor. And so I went to teacher training. And when I started teaching yoga, I knew that was it. That was it. I found it because it literally aligned with all my values. I love teaching. I love helping people, you know, find their mental health, uh, improve their mental health. Wellness is all about my life has been wellness. You know, I'm, so I'm literally like, okay, now my passions are aligned with my skills that are aligned, you know, and when you are in that alignment, I feel like just life just flows. Things just start happening to you that you know that you're in the right path and you don't feel that resistance anymore. Like, of course, there's resistance of just getting yourself out there and getting out of your comfort zone, searching growth for yourself. But it's not so, I don't even know how to explain. When you're not aligned, it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so hard. It is. And so before you, you, you started doing yoga, yoga classes, you, I mean, you went through a long procedure, you, you went through many things before finding the thing that you, you, you are most satisfied with, that you are most fulfilled with. And here, here is the thing, many, many people, before they start doing what they love, they, they start asking, how am I supposed to get there? And they are wasting their time, they are wasting their energy and their everything just by wondering how they are going to, to get from point A to point B. And I, I think people should not worry very, uh, uh, very much about, about the procedure or about the ways that they can, uh, uh, that they can reach their goals or their, their, their dreams. They just need to, to start with something and, and then it will, there are many things that will come to in their lives and they will lead them like softly and gently to, 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 to do what they are fated to be, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, a lot of people just say, and I used to be like that, I don't know what, my, what I'm passionate about. And it's okay, you don't need to, mm -hmm. because the, the path is actually go and research and, and you don't need to, you just have to follow your curiosity. Yeah. I always say, follow your curiosity. What are you curious about? What makes you excited? And then just try it, try this, try that, shadow mm -hmm. someone that works with that. And then you just feel it's more, it's less rational and more here. Yeah. And, and um, I think Steve Jobs always said like, you can only connect the dots when you look backwards. Mm -hmm. You can't connect the dots looking forward. Mm -hmm. So what that means is like, for example, in my life, I did everything and I needed to do everything. I needed to do, you know, to go through all of the career paths that I went through so that when I was prepared to do what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And and Steve Jobs, he said, like, I, I studied typography, I studied design, I studied this, I studied letters, da, da, da. And in the end, they all combined became what I needed yeah. to create Apple, to create the products. And that's it. And if, if something is wrong, um, like let's say you're working with something but you're not feeling fulfilled, it's probably because you're not supposed to be doing that specific thing. But you can learn from here, learn from that, and then exactly. play the every, orchestra. Every, every experience, like we can take a break from every experience to build our wall. Yeah. 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 Did you watch uh, Steve Jobs' movie? Not yet. 
and his his partner asked him what are you doing here you you don't know how to code you don't know how to design you don't do this you don't do that what are you doing here and steve jobs looks at him and he goes i play the orchestra <laughs> You know, he's not yeah. supposed to be playing violin or that or that. He he's the like he sees the whole thing mm -hmm. because he went through all the experiences in his life. So I think that's a great quote. <laughs> True. True. So now, how is this going with you with yoga classes? It's it's doing really well. I well because of Corona, <laughs> all the studios, all the yoga studios are closed. Uh, at the moment, and I also can't teach in person. I used to have private classes that I would go to my uh, students' house and teach. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I had to stop. But I started offering classes online. And, and does it work? Yeah, in the beginning, I was a little sad. Every time I would teach, I'm like, I really want to be there for my student. <laughs> I want to hold space. I want to offer one-on-one adjustments. Uh, but then I'm like, Vanessa, you have, we have to adapt. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the uh, number one thing to be successful in life is the ability to being able to adapt to mm -hmm. situations. True. So what, what this quarantine taught me is that our world's not going to be the same. Even when we start reopening things, it's not going to be the same. We're going to have to rethink a lot of stuff. So. In my head, I'm like, okay, and how do I adapt to this new reality? And I came to the conclusion that I have to start being more present in the online space. In that way, I can keep teaching my students and I can keep helping more people too. Because from the online space, I don't, I'm not limited anymore to my surroundings. I'm not limited to Los Angeles. I can literally teach somewhere, someone across the globe, someone yeah. in Japan, mm -hmm. someone in you know, Australia, because I have friends <laughs> that live there. So, And then I, it, it kind of switched uh, in my head. I'm like, this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. This mm -hmm. is a positive thing. It so, opens you a new yeah, perspective right now, of seeing, of, of thinking about sure. your career. Yeah, so right now I'm you know, I'm, I'm studying to like learn how to edit videos and do like really nice content for online yeah. so that it's, people it's can fun. follow. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. You like editing? <laughs> I, I do like <laughs> editing videos. A little bit. <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah. I mean, you can you can try many things each yeah. time and it doesn't work and, <laughs> and sometimes you start laughing about yourself like really what is this <laughs> nobody's gonna like this i mean I, and i personally don't care about if people like what i do or not as long as i do like it but you know sometimes you don't like it yourself <laughs> and you start asking i'm not i'm not liking it myself i mean how, how people are supposed to like it you know yeah but we're not supposed to do our best work right off the, like right off the gate like we're supposed to start messy and then mm -hmm. learn along yeah. the way exactly. and that's a lesson that's a lesson i had pretty recently like in the last couple of years because i'm so perfectionist i used to be so perfectionist mm -hmm. and then you fall into that analysis paralysis mm -hmm. you then don't do anything because yeah. you want it to be perfect and you only want to put out work that is perfect. That's not how you're gonna, you're not gonna do anything. Yeah, I've been like that for so that's long. That's how you, yeah, same, yeah. same. So uh, now I'm like, Vanessa, it doesn't need to be perfect. It, yeah. You just have to get the job done. Yeah. Because this job, for you, it might not be an A plus, maybe it's a B plus, but that B plus work will definitely help someone. Yes. And I, exactly. I feel the same about your content too. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not 100% satisfied, but that video that you edited and posted, that video will help someone. True. Mm -hmm. Every time you put out content, for example, the next time you're going to put out content, it's going to be better and better and better and better. True. But if you wait until you're perfect, you're never going to put out work anything. There. Yeah. You will never do anything and you will never be perfect. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I had to I had to have that pep talk to myself when I was thinking of offering online classes because in my head, mm-hmm. you know, we're here, ego. I'm like, I'm not I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I there's so many teachers offering online classes that are way better, way more experienced than I am. Why would it matter for me to put out content? Mm-hmm. And it matters because people that follow you, people that like you, they can relate to you, they're going to be inspired by that. Yes. And It doesn't matter if there's other people offering the same because people follow you because they like you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends, and I changed my mind because a lot of my friends that that see what I put out like yoga about yoga, they're like, "Vanessa, I always get inspired by your yoga posts. Like I started doing yoga because of you or I came I I went back to yoga because of you or I want to start yoga." And I'm like, even like this little silly stuff that I'm putting out is inspiring people like I have to get over myself I have to get over myself and I have to start producing content and putting out there because I know it's going to help them they they ask for it you know they're like can you just like put a class because they can't attend my live class I do every Saturday a live class and they're like oh because of the time you know and they're like can you just Uh, record and put it out there. I'm like, okay, just get over yourself, rip the bandaid off, just do it. <laughs> and how how many how many uh, students do you have like on your live classes? On my live classes, mm-hmm. it depends because some some days it was like 10 people, 15. Some days it was like very few people, and I like wow. both ways. I like, yeah, I like when very little people because they keep the audio on and then I can talk to them while I'm teaching and there's feedback mm-hmm. um, and then when it's a big group I can't it's everybody is muted yeah it's a so mess. I can't you know, have that conversation but it's still it's still it's a nice practice because I love seeing that everyone's like together practicing at the same time yeah you know, I mean it's, it's it must be beautiful I have never experienced that but When you feel like you are giving tasks to people to do, and you are watching them doing it, and you are in, I mean, you you are in located, you're located in LA, right? You're in LA, and your uh, students there must be, I think, all over the world. So, isn't that funny how you can? give instructions to people all around mm-hmm. the world and they're all gathered in one group chat and you are watching watching them doing what you are asking them to do and yeah. everybody is happy with that i mean that's beautiful yeah I, it's I like beautiful that. and yeah. that's that's what changed my mind yeah i'm like this is a blessing it's not like a plan b this is a blessing that i can uh teach someone that my best friend that is living across the country and then my brother that lives far and is self-quarantining right now like I can still teach him and yeah people in Brazil you know my friends in Brazil so I think it's it's really cool yes and also you have that a that's advantage of speaking like English and Portuguese you can do yoga classes for your uh, Brazilian uh, students and for your American or English speakers students. I haven't tried to teach a class full in Portuguese in the future because I had some I have some people in Brazil that uh, reach out to me and they're like oh I would love to classes but I don't speak English I don't understand mm-hmm. so I can try to copy I can try to copy what we're doing like the movements but I don't understand and and I'm like okay I need to again get over myself and start practicing teaching Portuguese because it's very different I, yes. I I don't think right now I would be ready to teach a class in Portuguese <laughs> even though it's my native language I know it's funny but because <laughs> I because I did my training in English and everything um, so I just I think I have to just um, be a student of a Brazilian teacher for example mm-hmm. like take some classes in Portuguese and uh, And then see how they, it's done in Portuguese. How they 
like to, to learn the technical the words. Pose. Yeah, there's technical words mm -hmm. and the, like all the poses, they the way they call it is a little different. Yeah, and they use a lot of Sanskrit too. Sans Sanskrit is the original language of yoga. So there's a lot of terminology that is Sanskrit, mm -hmm. which is a good thing though, because I do learn some Sanskrit. So my, my classes I teach in English, but I use Sanskrit words for some poses. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that in Portuguese, I might not know like how they say in Portuguese, but like the poses, they're using the Sanskrit. So it's, it's, I don't have to learn new things. I know it's the same words at least. But. Yeah. Yeah, you need to whatever language you're better. speaking there is the same words to be used mm -hmm. good yeah. and now but I think your your Portuguese students could it could be helpful for them on on different ways first they are learning uh, yoga they are having yoga classes and second thing, is that they are get to used to, to the English. Yeah. So they it, it will like it will be challenging for them, right? But it will help them yeah. improve their English. It will yeah. make them learn English. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good thing too, yeah. They they can listen in English and then by naturally I always say like the best way to learn a language it's not necessarily like, like taking a class of languages. It's mm -hmm. like watching movies, listening to audiobooks or reading books. Exactly. Um, yeah. Just having a day-to-day -to -day conversation with a with an English speaker. That's how I learned. Mm -hmm. I didn't go. I, I didn't study. But the way I learned English: movies, podcasts, audiobooks. That that's how I learned. Music music a lot yeah and are you learning uh, another language right now well i have a dream i want to be fluent in spanish i understand spanish but i'm not like i'm conversational but i'm not fluent mm -hmm. it's not like perfect spanish just broken spanish but yeah. i understand so i want i want to be fluent spanish in french italian uh, Japanese. <laughs> wow. And I study, I study German. Too. I love languages. I studied German during law school because we were instructed to know a third language, either, and then the teachers were. Well, English only in those two languages, the original textbooks. So um, he said it would be really helpful for you mm -hmm. if you know those languages. So I decided to study German during law school because my best friend is she is German descent and she's fluent, completely fluent in German. So I'm like, I have a free tutor. <laughs> <laughs> so so I decided to study German during law school and. It was fun. I, I was really good at it for a while. Now it's been so long and I, I pretty much lost everything. But I remember, yeah, I would tell my friend to just talk to me German. I was like, just talk to me German. If I don't understand something, you just tweak, try to say something else. Yeah, so I, I have tried understand. studying and German like four, four or three years ago, but I was not really devoted to it and I gave up after like a <laughs> couple of months <laughs> yeah nowadays there's so many apps too that you can uh, use do, do you have you ever tried Duolingo yes I have yeah I love Duolingo because it's like a game mm -hmm. you, you do fun. a little bit of a day yeah there are many apps like what languages do you speak you speak French right I, I speak Arabic it's my native language I speak French English and the other languages just few few words like in Spanish uh, Turkish and uh, German just few words and recently I have tried to start learning some Russian so I have some 
Kyu basics and all of these. Oh, Russian is so cool. Ah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I I love languages. If I had like to pick one superpower, I would want to like know all the languages. <laughs> So I can communicate with anyone, anyone. Do you have an idea how many languages are there in the world? There's a lot, like hundreds. <laughs> because I, there's so many dialects too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, and I don't know if you, because yeah. you're you speak multiple languages, you probably noticed that the more languages you speak, it's easier to learn new new languages too. Yeah, because for example, yeah. German. A lot of the base in German is English. French, French and Portuguese are it's very similar. French and not Portuguese, not in the yeah. way you speak or write, but mm -hmm. yeah, the same. There are some group. many similarities uh, between French, mm -hmm. Portuguese, uh, Spanish, Spanish, and a bit of Italian as well. Mm -hmm. All these languages, there are many common words. Yeah, mm -hmm. Romanian, Romanian. Yeah, that's why I said like, oh, I want to be fluent in in Italian. French, Portuguese, Spanish, but they're not that different, so it's not that hard. Mm -hmm. Now, Japanese is something else, like <laughs> Japanese, Chinese. I mean, in Japanese, but... you should learn the the alphabet, how, mm -hmm. how it is. I mean, it's different than French and all those languages, because there is everything new in it. You should first learn the, uh, the, the alphabet, how uh, each character is written even in writing the the, mm -hmm. the Japanese alphabets I mean it's it's really hard I mean I, I don't know how to distinguish between all those symbols all those signs <laughs> I, how many like I, I think there are some they how look many ca characters there in Japanese there's I think there's like thousands of, wow. of countries yeah because in, in Japanese so I'm half Japanese my mom mm -hmm. was born in in Japan, yeah. and she moved to Brazil when she was little. So I grew up in a Japanese household. My grandparents speak Japanese all day, so that's why I know a little bit of Japanese. Is you know I can't understand, mm -hmm. but I can't reply back, <laughs> and I know I, I can't read. <laughs> I can't read a little bit of Japanese. The the simple characters. Uh, when I was when I was like six years old, I used to go to Japanese school, and we were not allowed to speak Portuguese. We could only speak Japanese to the teachers, to our friends. So at some point in my life, I could speak Japanese, <laughs> and I remember I was like I used to speak Japanese, but I I forgot because you don't use it, you know. But I think um, <laughs> when when you learn but things, Japanese, when you're at a younger age. And even mm -hmm. when you're not that you are grown up, it will be mm -hmm. easier for you to remember everything back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because mm -hmm. I remember I spent a month in Japan traveling, and it was so easy. Like I was picking up really fast. It's like it's activating some hidden part <laughs> in your brain. Like it's it's there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, traveling helps a lot. Traveling helps yes. improving language a lot. So much, yeah. Definitely traveling helped with my English and with my Spanish too. Cause I, I did a, a trip that was two months. I was backpacking in South America, mm -hmm. and my my Spanish wasn't very good before that trip. But because most of people in the places I visited didn't speak English, mm -hmm. I had to try and speak Spanish. So that's how it got better. And then when I moved to California, you know, there's so many Mexicans here, not only Mexicans, but a lot of people from Central America and all that. Mm -hmm. So I remember I used to tell them whenever someone speaks fluent Spanish, like talk to me in Spanish, talk to me in Spanish so I can learn. Like even the cleaning ladies at my, uh, my other job of like, I was like communicating with them every day. Like when I see them talking about their family, only Spanish <laughs> so that I can learn that. You have to, you have to try that way. Yes, you have to, and, uh, to put on yourself that note, in those situations. Yeah. On that note, I want to acknowledge you mm -hmm. because you, English is not your first language. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you sometimes you're like searching for words in your head because 
you know, uh, it's, you forget some words. Mm -hmm. But even with that, you're still doing your podcast. You're still interviewing people. So you're you're definitely gonna learn so fast. It's gonna become like second yeah. nature because you're putting yourself out there. You're exactly you're trying. because when you force yourself to to be in a situation that you're not comfortable with, I mean, you are you, you don't have a choice but to to learn and to improve and that's it i mean i, I i'm feeling that there is a difference between my first episode between that i have made and and this one yeah I, i'm feeling more spontaneous yeah, yeah. i'm feeling more fluent you know <laughs> what country what countries have you ever been to all of them are in europe uh all of countries that you've been to I've never been to any country in Africa. I really mm -hmm. want to go. Uh, but in Europe, I went to I went to France, uh, Italy, Germany, Austria, Netherlands. I think that's it. Oh, that's. Oh, in uh, Czech, Czech Republic, I went to Prague. No, it's it's beautiful. Prague is a really beautiful city. Uh, and then I, I went to Japan. Yeah. Yeah, I always wanted to go there. It's amazing. It, even though it is um, like a historical town, mm -hmm. yeah. they they rebuilt it, and it looks it looks like it looks it looks like a movie. Like there's castles and bridges, yeah. old bridges. They have beautiful I architecture. Mm -hmm. I went to Japan, like I told you. Yeah. I went to. I went to Cuba. That was a really nice experience. Oh, mm -hmm. I went to in South America. I went to uh, Peru, Chile, and Bolivia, and Argentina. Mm -hmm. So you were backpacking, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about this solo. experience. I stayed in hostels along the way, so I made friends in the hostels, and then we would travel together, like to. Ah, places. yeah. So and did you have any prior plan or you just go in with the flow? I had a I had a flight booked to the capital of Peru, Lima, mm -hmm. and I had on my way in and my way out was the capital of Chile. So I just knew I had this time frame to do all that. So I visited the cities I wanted visit some cities that I were not in my plan I ended up visiting you know because yes for example have you have you ever heard of Nazca lines the Nazca lines no no Nazca lines are, are these these uh, humongous uh, drawings on the yeah on the floor that you can only see from a plane like mm -hmm. from a really high up and they act it's a mystery in history they don't know who yeah made the, the that. drawings that we and that they are on the fields and things like that yes yeah yeah so yeah they still don't know how, how 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 they are made right that for example by one of the the guys that was yeah he was like you are here you gotta go let's go like what what other opportunity you would have to to see them and i was like okay let's do it <laughs> And then, <clears throat> and then we traveled to the town, uh, and there was there's like tiers of price to to go like in a in a big uh, a bigger plane with more people is like the cheapest, and then there's like a middle ground, and then there's the plane that's only two pilots and then two people in the back. Oh. This, this one was the most expensive one. <laughs> Uh, so we didn't, we didn't, we were trying to budget. So we were like, okay, let's just do the cheapest or middle ground. But the, we were so lucky because when we got there, uh, they were waiting for the people that originally booked the small plane, mm -hmm. I think, and they never showed up. And then they were <laughs> like, okay, you guys paid for the cheapest, but you want to fly this little plane? I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Cause it's the, the best view, you know, cause it's, it flies, it flies closer yeah. to the fields. Yeah. Yeah, so it was amazing. It, it was amazing. It's so wow. mind blowing. It's like how, how on earth that happened? Yeah, look it up. It's really cool. It's beautiful. 
and what else? I mean, I mean, how how much did you pay for your for that to get to to get the experience? To be honest, I don't remember, but I think translating to translated to dollars would be something like a hundred dollars. I think because mm -hmm. the currency is very different. So yes. at the time, my income was in Brazilian reais, and even Brazilian reais to to pesos was like one to seven. It was a lot of difference. So I felt rich even with my tight budget. <laughs> I had a really high budget, but I felt like, wow, I can do so much. So I can only imagine like if you're paying everything with your dollar, like you can go, you can do so much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the advantage like of being from like a powerful country. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even here in Morocco, you can, you can be, you can go and visit very beautiful places with, I would say, thousand dollars a thousand dollars here you it will you'll be living like king you will you will buy everything you want you will get everything you want you will visit whatever you want you will see everything and yeah. still and still with a cheap price yeah I, I, here we have the currency is is dirham and one dollar one dollar is worth nine dirhams Yeah. That that makes me want to go even more tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love Middle Eastern culture, food. Ah, food here is just the best. Morocco, it's it's not Middle Eastern, but it's it's similar, right, to Middle Eastern food. It's better. I, I don't want to sound like. It's better. I don't know. It's a bit <laughs> it's definitely better. I mean, it is different. Uh, I, there are some yeah. Eastern plates and some Eastern cuisine that yeah. I like, but if you are really used to to the Moroccan cuisine, yeah. to the Moroccan gastronomy, you, you you will find it hard to 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 adapt to the other gastronomy of the other country. What Moroccan so food have you ever tried? Like couscous with different types of Meat really? and stuff Where like that. Where did you try that? Well, is there a lot of it? Huh? Where did you try couscous? I tried here. There is like Moroccan Mar uh, restaurants yeah. here. Mm -hmm. Is there a lot of vegetarian uh, dishes in Morocco too? Um, yes, but we tend to put some... Meat? Yeah. <laughs> we tend to put <laughs> meat and chicken and in everything. In many plates. So, yeah. but yeah, but yeah, if, yeah. If, if you like only vegetables, you, you can have vegetable plates, you can have vegetable tagine. Yeah, it, it is still really good. Are you a vegetarian? Yeah, I'm mostly vegetarian for about a year now. I I have a rule. I, I don't eat, I don't buy meat and I don't cook meat. But if I am invited to someone's house and they prepared like a dish, I, I won't say no, like mm -hmm. I will eat whatever they put in front of me. Yeah. And why, why, why did you turn into a vegetarian? So when I went through my yoga teacher training, my yoga teacher said that he, he would, he was suggesting that we would try at least for the duration of our program to be vegetarians, to be plant-based and see for ourselves how we feel, like the difference that we find in our body, mind, you know, mm -hmm. soul, everything. And I thought before doing that, I thought I would feel weak. Like I thought I needed meat. Uh, I thought like something was going to lack, but so I got more educated about it. And then after doing the experiment myself, after being the guinea pig, you know, because I was like, I, I've got to try it and see mm -hmm. for myself, be my own lab, like do my own experiment. What I found for me uh, is that I had way more energy. I had less digestive problems, clearer head, like thoughts, mm -hmm. uh, and less inflammation overall in my body and uh, faster recovery time for when I get injured. 
So just by doing that for three months, I noticed all that difference. So I'm like, I'm feeling really good. And I, I just want to keep doing it. And I don't, to be honest, I don't even crave meat anymore. In the beginning I used to, but now I don't even crave anymore because not, also it's not only about diet and it's not only about, for me, it's also ethical because we, in yoga, we learn about ahimsa, which is the principle of non-harming. It's like understanding that we, just by being here, we're already harming everything. We're harming environment, we're harming, there's things that we can't control, yeah. but how can we uh, make the least amount of impact on earth mm -hmm. during the duration of our lives? And choosing to be a vegetarian is a huge one because not only you're, you know, doing so much for the environment, as you know, like a lot of the farming and all, everything is like really bad, but also you're not killing animals. Mm -hmm. So that's the principle that they teach in yoga. And then I started seeing my life from that angle now. I'm like, okay, how the least amount of impact I can have. And then right now I created this rule for myself. Okay, I'm not gonna buy meat, you know, I'm not supporting and I'm not gonna order in a restaurant. But if someone cooks for me, like with love, you know, and, and um, then I say, yes, it's fine. That's how I'm living my life right now. Cause there's a lot of people that are very strict, but mm -hmm. for me right now, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Interesting. I, I mean, I've, I've never experienced yeah. being vegetarian or vegan, but mm -hmm. it really sounds interesting. Yeah, I think overall everyone needs to just reduce a little bit of meat consumption. Like mm -hmm. as humankind, we don't need to eat that much meat. Yeah. We eat way too much and just add more vegetables in general. We all yeah. need to do more of that. Yeah, we should start increasing. Uh, the amount of vegetables and decreasing the amount of meat. Well, what what else can you tell us about yourself? By myself, uh, that I'm I'm a I'm a spirit, you know, living a human experience, mm -hmm. and we're all in this life to learn and grow. And I'm way less harder to myself now that I'm older than I was when I was younger mm -hmm. and uh, definitely happy because I, I think I see everything now more like everything happens for a reason and things happen for you and not to you I think you, you. you see that way too right mm -hmm. a more yeah. spiritualized perspective of things yeah. and definitely um, because I, I did all that, because I was successfully financially, I was successful financially and couldn't find happiness. Then I realized like, it's not about money. It's mm -hmm. not about status. And when we pursue those things, only those things, you know, like you're pursuing money, you're pursuing status, just by that reason itself, you're gonna burn out and you're gonna be unhappy. And the earlier we, to figure out by ourselves that's not the way that we need to find something that we're we're passionate about that we love doing and helping other people on the way serving that's how we're gonna actually find fulfillment yes you, you had the chance of of having enough money so that you didn't think that money is is happiness but many people don't have that don't have the chance like you had and they still think that they need money to be happy yeah and so for you it's like it was like short kind of shortcut that you were able to take in order to to find and to reach the things that makes you happy right yeah, I think that, um, well, we all need money. Money is very important. Yeah. But there's like a, if you if you fulfill your basic needs, more money is not gonna increase happiness to you. Just money itself. 
You can like there's a lot of millionaires out there that are so depressed, so yeah. unhappy because money is not the solution, just money. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, money is gives the, you the, the luxury, like, but not the happiness. Yeah, and you can be very successfully financially and happy, but the common thread has to be happiness and finding something that you're fulfilled, or at least starting your path towards finding that out for yourself. Yeah. So good. It was really interesting listening to your story, Vanessa. And I mean, it's really it could be inspiring for many for many people. Like how could how life could change in just a matter of of months or weeks, just because a simple knowledge that you or a simple thing that you didn't that you were not aware of. For your case, it's your citizenship, your American citizenship that that changed your life, that's helped you change your life. I mean, you were going to change your life in a day or another, but having that that ability of being an American citizenship, a citizen, helped you reach your goal or your objective faster. Yeah. I mean, not uh, yeah. saying that I wouldn't be able to to do something like this in another country, but definitely I can see how living in a first world country offers you a, mm -hmm. a lot of opportunities to re reinvent yourself. So. Yes, and also we should not we should think that everything that we are experiencing, everything that we have experienced, has an impact on us. It's it's helped us see the world from different perspectives it's help us it gives us like the the ability of of knowing how to to how to to be able to interact with the upcoming circumstances and with upcoming events i mean if you were not been if you have haven't been to law school school I mean, the procedure of of having your your passports could have taken longer, right? Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't even find out about yeah. this. So yeah, everything happens for a reason, and we mm -hmm. should be grateful for everything that happens to us, and and everything happens for us, not to us, like you said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In yoga, we say like approach life. Uh, and I was talking about that the other day, approach life with a neutral mind, because an event that happens in your life is not necessarily bad or mm -hmm. good. It's mm -hmm. just an event. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need it to go through that so you can do from point A to point B. So... Exactly, yeah. 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 And it, it, it changes just by the way of... just by our way of seeing things. Just by perspective of seeing things. I mean, sometimes there are many good things in in a bad in a bad situation or in a bad experience, but mm -hmm. we are just not able to see it because we are so hurt or because we are so. Uh, I mean, we, we are just focusing on the bad side. Yeah. Mm, exactly. Trapped in that trapped in that victim mentality. Mm -hmm. mentality. Yes. Exactly. Like, uh, poor me, everything happens to me. Yeah, why always me? <laughs> also, we are what we think, too. We are what we think. So if yeah. you think you can't do this, or if you think only bad things happen to you, that's probably what's going to manifest in your life anyway. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. It's all about how we think and how we see things. Great. So thank you so much, Vanessa. I think we have we've come to the end of this episode, to the end of this interview with you. It's been a great pleasure having you on here today. Thank you for the invite. That was fun. <laughs> My pleasure. And yeah, thank you for being here today. And thank you for sharing your experience and your story with us, with everyone, with some people that you, you, you never knew. <laughs> and you may never know even so, and, and i'm an open book too if anyone has any questions either about 
about like the citizenship stuff about yeah. yoga just reach out to her like they send you an email or like they contact you on instagram what do you prefer like like just talk to me reach out you know that's how we met the instagram just send me a message thank you so much vanessa be safe <laughs> stay safe have a good day so this is it for this free talk episode if you too have an experience to share with us or a story to tell or maybe you are going through some kind of troubles could be whatever feel free to contact me and get in touch either by sending me an email on spontaneoustalk at gmail.com or by sending me a dm on instagram at spontaneoustalk we can schedule a session and talk freely and spontaneously Make sure you follow me on Instagram, on TikToks to get your daily dose of motivation. Hoping to see you soon guys. Stay safe, take good care of yourselves, beautiful people.